This is your wake-up call. The year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable, but there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. What are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. I got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Now, in a future... We locked on him. ...where those who control the information control the world. I've been charged with recovering the head of the mnemonic courier. Everyone wants what is stored in Johnny's head. Double cheese anchovies? Charlie! You're waiting for me, Ralphie. Time is running out. I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. If I can get it out. How? Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And this is a weekly show where we unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and we are smack dab in the middle of our second 2021 miniseries, uh, Do Androids Dream of Bad Movies, which is all about cyberpunk stuff. And <laughs> last week we did Virtuosity and that was a fun one. Russell Crowe was really hot in it and it really upset us. I keep um, <laughs> I keep opening my Twitter and startling myself when I like look at my profile because I keep forgetting that I legitimately did make my name on Twitter Russell Crowe's disembodied ass. Yes. And uh, yes, you did. You yeah, did that. that's gonna be really fun for the next like month until we catch up and that episode airs and I keep, I feel like I can switch. <laughs> Yeah, well, we uh, we're like I said in the middle of this mini series, and this is another movie within this genre that I had always. Well, I take this back. I don't. I I will not say that I always heard this movie. I have one point of reference for this movie. It is because here in Kansas City, there is, or at least there used to be, a restaurant tucked into a corner on the plaza on Country Club Plaza called Fred Piatts. And when you go to the uh, the west side of Fred Piatts and all the way up the stairs, there is a small little corner full of games. And in that small full of corner, corner full of games, there is a Johnny Mnemonic pinball machine. Of course there is. And that is the only point of reference I've ever had for this movie <laughs> in my life. Uh, so when our guest asked us to do it i was like yeah i might as well see it so i can go back and pay, play that pinball machine <laughs> <laughs> so uh the guest we have uh for johnny mnemonic uh returning is matt storm of screen snark and uh all the other pov certain pov podcasts you do so much dude it's I, insane i do it is uh, but welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's funny too because with that st- story, you tie together a thing, a theme. I thought we were breaking. I've done vid- only video game movies on this pod. <laughs> oh well, nope. But, Sorry, but but <laughs> but you mentioned a pinball machine, and so now 
And I mean, let's be real. The graphics in this movie, especially at the end of the movie, look like a PS2. So we're <laughs> we're we're in that That's family. They look. They look. I was about to say PS2. Wow, someone <laughs> likes it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's. But, yeah, we'll 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 get, we'll, to we'll get to it. We'll talk about those those graphics. <laughs> yeah. Um. So before we get into the uh, recap proper, Micah, do you have the Rotten Tomatoes score and consensus pulled up? I do. And um, listen, remember, none of this is me. I didn't write this. Mm-hmm. Um, the score is twelve percent, and uh-huh. the critics' consensus is, and I quote. As narratively misguided as it is woefully miscast, Johnny Mnemonic brings the 90s cyberpunk thriller to inane new woes, er, lows. End quote. <laughs> okay. Were they making so, a point break? No. Point break? I, well, I think... Well, woe is wo- like... It is Keanu Bill Rick's and Ted. Thing. Yeah, and Bill yeah. and Ted too. Oh, Bill and Ted... Point Break. Do you know why I was saying Point Break? Why I was thinking that was the reference? Because why? ever since you, um, it's it's not it's not because of Keanu. It's because every time I've said Johnny Mnemonic to myself and thought about the fact that we were watching this, my brain was like, "Oh, the Disney Channel original movie Johnny Tsunami. That's what you're watching." Oh no! Nope, <laughs> and I had to nope. tell myself, "No, it's very much." Not that thing. It's but my brain was like, nah, we're watching Johnny Tsunami. And that is what I have been like subconsciously readying myself for. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I knew that wasn't what this was. So I've just got surfing on the brain. Well, okay. So I kind there's a couple of different points I want to attack this from. There's the Keanu point. There is the... 90s sci-fi point um and on the Keanu point this is what when did this movie come out was it 94 95 95 so okay so this is the same year as another movie that in in this miniseries I guess I will never stop talking about which strange days and like I I'm fascinated by always fascinated by retrofuturism and they the way that people in a specific time period thought the future was gonna play out mm-hmm. because like you see stuff like logan's run and total recall and stuff like that and we're like design wise everything you know looks like a bank yes mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and this movie doesn't really uh, fall into that a lot, mostly because it's set in a sort of strange, like Strange Days, and uh, their future isn't uh, terribly different than ours. Strange Days, because like theirs only takes place like five years in the future, and this because apparently some cataclysmic event happened, uh, the introduction of this virus that everyone has now that sort of <laughs> yes, that sort of uh, stopped. Everybody, uh, this sort of stopped civilization that it just tracks, which leads to the first thing. This movie opens with a wall of text explaining all of this to us. And then when the wall of text goes away, there is this, um, 
you know how the 90s looked in the internet? Yep. Where it was just, you know, the PBS television show Cyber Chase. And <laughs> yes, he, I watched that so much. And um, the <laughs> and there, you're sort of surfing through what just looks like like a 3D rendering of a bunch of hard drives that have been placed into like a house of cards. And then the superimposed text just says internet 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, um, I screamed. (laughs) It's such a fun juxtaposition because on the one hand, like it's the most windows 95 thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But then also, its prediction for the future is dystopian corporate-run world where a horrific virus wasn't contained for reasons of profit and decimated the world. Like, And, like, people like to say, oh, dystopia is, um, oh, they're predicting the future. No, they're not. It's meant to elevate or, or exaggerate things that they see existing in their time. So like of course dystopia in the 90s mm-hmm. would f- would foresee corporations taking everything over because the 90s are really when we get a lot of that like Reagan era deregulation of the economy just mm-hmm. punching us in the face. Um, I mean you can even see it in like the entertainment everybody was consuming. That's when like all of the entertainment in America consolidated into five corporations. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. yeah. Yeah. And, and all that stuff. I, I, I find that super, super interesting because yeah, I mean, you could say they predicted a bunch of stuff. The only thing that they seem to have gotten wrong is that the corporations don't use the Yakuza as, <laughs> as strong. Men. Yeah. But, or do they? Or do they? Can I, can I <laughs> tell you that when I rewatched, so this was inspired. So I came to CJ, with this typically like cj and i either we'll talk i'll come to you to cj begging and pleading to come back because i love your show so much and sometimes i'll suggest a movie sometimes y'all suggest a movie we're one for one on that i suggested this because i had very recently rewatched it for uh cyberpunk week over in certain pov which was at the end of last year and we had um the internet's renowned and foremost keanu expert patrick h willems as a guest on screen snark to talk about this Ah. movie for the special and after watching it, I was just like, I need, I need to talk to, to talk about this movie with professional bad movie watchers. I need to do <laughs> it. And, and of course, mm-hmm. y'all answered the call. But also, part of it is so. For one, to comment on what we Michael was saying, <laughs> when we, when me and my spouse watched it together <laughs> during the opening crawl, she said, "Oh, it's like a more boring Star Wars, uh, a, a Star Wars, because it's the same kind of like opening wall of text, except it doesn't tell us anything really." Uh, and it's vi- and it is. I was gonna say visually arresting, but that's not the that's not no. the term for it. It is visually assaulting. Yes, but then when we get to the point where we read that it's in 2021 and that it's a virus, both of us just mm-hmm. went, "Oh no!" Like, oh. like verbally, <laughs> like, uh, "No, this is this shouldn't be this close to home." Um, but I want to set you guys up from the beginning to know why I picked this movie is because while mm-hmm. I can't defend the movie as uh, on the whole, I think the reviews are worse than it actually is. But even more so, I think the the reason people hate this for Keanu's bad performance is not true. While there are a lot of things wrong with this movie, Keanu's performance, while not 
his best is not awful. And I actually see shades of his modern characters in this performance. Okay, let's 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 chat a bit about this <laughs> because Keanu can is. <laughs> Keanu was known as a bad actor for a very long yeah. time. I don't believe that is true. Correct. I believe Keanu Reeves is a movie star. And the difference between a movie star and like a character actor is a character actor can disappear into lots of different roles and characters. There's a little overlap between there. There's your Meryl Streep's and, you know, her putting her hand all over her mouth and stuff. And then you... That's what she does. And the... <laughs> There's a great clip of Debbie Reynolds on Larry King doing an impression of her. Because, <laughs> like, they, they, they weren't, like, necessarily friends because her and Carrie Fisher made that movie Postcards on the mm-hmm. Edge about their relationship. And uh, she, did, she did a bit uh, imitating Meryl Streep, and it's perfect. I will link you both to the, Excellent. the YouTube video. Yes, but um, uh, the, there's a movie star who is there. You're not there to watch, you know, Will Smith... Uh, Put on his best Clark Gable. Right. You're you you want Will Smith to punch an alien and say "Welcome to Earth." Yes. You're not going to Tom Cruise to even though Tom Cruise is very much capable of being a character actor, he's just not interested in it yeah. because he wants to. Uh, he is so interested in entertaining you that he is willing to literally kill himself <laughs> if that's what he has to do. That is that so is so much running. So much, so much running. running hanging off of the side of airplanes breaking his ankle like he he's he 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 wants you to have a good time and he's like my personal health be damned right. so like so Keanu Reeves is one of those people who can kind of like do one thing really well Mm -hmm. but on the stuff that he doesn't do really well i still find it incredibly interesting especially in movies like this uh because uh there are certain points in it where he is being asked to do a lot of dynamic stuff keanu reeves does not have a very expressive or dynamic face or he does not utilize it in that way. So when he is trying to do that, it comes off as sort of absurdist. Yeah. Rather than yeah. bad, it comes off as kind of like it's weirdly engaging mm-hmm. in a way that like if he was just bad, we could just be like, "Oh, this is boring." He's not boring in this. The movie around him is kind of boring, Correct. but he's not boring. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is fair. I think Keanu is always a compelling presence, um, no matter what he's in. Um, like, people talk a lot of shit about Keanu in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I know is a movie that I've brought up a lot because I love it. Um, he's not good no. <laughs> in it. But you never, you're never mad that you're looking at him. Mm-hmm. On screen, or like, or like in Much Ado, Kenneth, Kenneth yes. Branagh's Much yes. Ado about in nothing. Much Ado. He is very obviously the weakest player there, but yes. the stuff that he is doing and the choices that he is making utilize the sort of stiffness of his dial of like his delivery or like his, uh, the um, the sort of expressionlessness of his face to good measure. They make it character stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he's. 
I mean, he's no Denzel, <laughs> you know, in in that. Um, nobody in that movie is Denzel. Nobody is. Oh my God, he's so good. Sorry, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just when I think about Much Ado, and then I think about Denzel, and I think about those flowy shirts, and uh, mm. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he's not, you know, doing what Denzel is doing. But I am absolutely never upset to see him on the screen. And yeah. and I think like even like recently. Um, he's got the whole John Wick thing going. People are kind of letting him start to do other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like his scene and always be my maybe, oh. where they where they Perfection. let him just be funny. Perfection. He's so funny, and I really want more movies to let Keanu be funny. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Johnny Newmonic is. Not, not that. that movie. Nope, they weren't interested in that at all. But I am not. I am not going to blame this movie on Keanu, and I'm not. I'm with you guys. I'm not jumping on the Keanu's a bad actor train because he is not. He is not. You know, a super. He's not. You know, Daniel Day Lewis. No. But nobody's asking him to be. I'm not asking him to be. I don't want him to be. And also, side note, he looks so good. Yes. He is, um, uh, I think the scientific term is dumb hot yes. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, you know, he was in the midst of sort of treading the line between prestige stuff mm-hmm. and more popular stuff that he kept, kind of came up on because he sort of hit the ground running with Bill and Ted. That was a very popular thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have... My Own Private Idaho, which is, like, a movie that, like, nobody under the age of 50 ever talks about. (laughs) Nope. Like, it is, but, like, it's really good. It's got River Phoenix, and it's, it's, I think it's mostly because it has, like, River Phoenix, and people under the age of 50 don't really remember (laughs) River Phoenix. But, like, um, you know, My Own Private Idaho, then, you know, you get this like rapid succession of like this back and forth of much ado about nothing uh point break dracula this and this is i think the first real like of the bunch (laughs) yeah um and you know i don't but it is an interesting test run for something like the matrix uh because he uh i i don't think that the i well i think that the studio system was very franchise driven and stuff like that there was still a lot of room for these one-offs stuff like point break and things like that right um so you know you could play around a little bit more but as the 90s was ending we talked without with uh, a friend of the pod and 90s correspondent alex (laughs) Burdett um about the fact that the 90s kind of end in 1998 yeah um and like by that time you sort of needed to have like your thing that was gonna like your uh your your big franchise the thing that was going to sort of launch you on everybody's tv and stuff like that and he found the matrix but i think this is kind of a springboard for that a jumping uh jumping off point and um i think there are interesting ideas at play but also like visually Why does this movie look like liquid television? <laughs> <laughs> that is the most price, precise way I've ever heard that described. 
It does. Yeah. Because, like, you know, he's got, like, because it, it is this very, it is very Blade Runner by MTV. Yes. That's what it feels like. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yes. Um, and because, like, you know, notice that she hasn't seen the show. She's just seen the movie and she likes the movie. But, like, um, generally it looks like Eon Flux. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. And, mm. like, Less this colorful, is. colorful, like, though. Um, uh, in, in, at least in terms of comparison to the television series. But, um, yeah. uh, like, that's what it kind of reminded me of. And uh, where it seems like the um, dystopian sensibilities of the time were. But, like, to get into all of it, we sort of meet Johnny, or John Smith, who is essentially a human flash drive yes he is there to grab the info you need carry it hither and fro and then dump it wherever it needs to be dumped um he wakes up in a hotel room uh with yeah, we, we have to stop and talk about the hotel room <laughs> but like um he wakes up in this hotel room uh, oh well the bevy of hotel rooms that appear in the like the first act but um with this hooker and he gets the um uh, call it says uh we have a new job for you but he doesn't like want to do this anymore he is very much tired of this life and wants the implants that allow people to put all the the information in his brain and stuff taken out and the guy who is supposed to be facilitating that ralphie and you know his name is ralphie because uh within this first scene where the two of them are talking uh john calls him ralphie at least a hundred times um and which again not keanu's fault that is the script is the script it is like there was no room for improvisation it was just like say what is written on the page and what was written on the page was ralphie 700 times and then maybe three sentences um so the (laughs) uh ralphie is just like oh well no we uh, we can't do that yet because the price has gone up from eight hundred thousand to a million and five that seems like uh not a good deal but uh, um he's like if you do this one last job and, and it's a rich one you can get the money to get out of the game it's always one less job every it's time one. <laughs> it's one I last was, job one week away from retirement. Exactly. Um, so he takes on the job, heads to central Beijing. Another thing, it's like China. There are protests and stuff going on in China that is kind of sort of reflective of the actualities of 2021. Uh, but he gets to this hotel and he gets into uh, and there's people waiting for him in this room to like give him the information. And I, this hotel... <laughs> is like I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it without seeming dismissive because I it's not dismissive it is like amazingly tacky yes in the like I I was like this black marble in this bathroom is my life now (laughs) (laughs) like like who's this for it just it it just screams the 90s (laughs) 
<laughs> but and like the 90s CD had strip club really the 90s. own like kind of tacky camp, you know? Like, yeah. I, I feel like each decade, like, we're definitely going to look back on, like, choices that the 2000s made and be like, ooh. Oh, do you not do that already? Do you not remember LED belts? No, I do. I do. <laughs> hard to forget. <laughs> no, we're, we're already getting roasted by the youth. And, like, you know, it's fine. We kind of deserve it. Like, I'll yeah, be it's, listen, the teens don't think I'm cool now. So what? They didn't think I was cool when I was a teen either. I was going to so. say, joke's on them. I was never cool. <laughs> joke's oh, on yeah. them, motherfuckers. Didn't stop me from wearing a long, skinny strip of cloth as a belt because I thought it was cool and someone mm-hmm. else. So did everyone else. But anyway, it is like that. I feel like that hotel scene is absolutely just 90s opulent camp. I, at its peak. I also do want to insert that one of the key struggles of the plot is that Johnny has lied about getting an upgrade to mm-hmm. give him, what was it, a gig? Like, I think it was supposed to double his space to like 600 and something, but he mm-hmm. needed a gig for this job. A whole gig of space oh, yeah. in your brain? Um and doesn't have it. And so he's now showing up to this job with insufficient space. And they mm-hmm. don't, they use many narrative devices to tell us this is bad. If you do mm-hmm. that, your brain will explode, implode. It's unclear what, but something will happen. Uh, and I just remember when they're talking about the storage space as he's on, like, on the way to this thing. And they're like setting mm-hmm. up this procedure in this terrible black marble hell that is this hotel room (laughs) i'm just like i have a thumbstick that i can fit in my wallet that holds eight times that space and like but you have to remember it's just so considered so massive at the time i mean because it was was. i was like you couldn't even fit like that much stuff on one of those floppy disks no like um just I keep asking Dan, friend of the pod, Dan Purcell, because we friend of all pods, all the time. friend of all pods. <laughs> I keep asking Dan uh, whenever I c- think of something that like I remember from like before 2006. I'm just like, do you think the kids know about blank? <laughs> I literally like I think like a couple of months ago, I was like, do you think the kids know who Charo is? <laughs> we had a really distressing conversation about how we kind of don't think they do. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't think they would. I mean, why would it's, they know who Char? I know. Who Char- why would they? Is. Why would they know who Char yeah, is? Why, and you no can't be mad at them for not no. knowing no, who Char yeah. is. I can be sad for them though. It, it, yeah, I mean, like I got indignant on the internet recently because a lot of youngins who I know don't know who Eve Six is, which like. I love Eve Six, but like going back, that's a band that was very specific to the '90s and a certain mm-hmm. section of pop alt rock. And like, unless you know Inside Out, the "Put My Heart in a Blender" song, as most people refer to it, you're not gonna that, know. That's, that's the, the rendezvous. Yeah, when I'm through. that's yeah, the yeah, one. Okay, yeah. Like, okay. you're not gonna know who <laughs> they are. But I still get indignant about it because, like, I'm like, but there is this reckoning of like, but why would they know? You know? Well, yeah, you watch that, like you just, and we will get back to the movie in just a second. But like, you watch that because this this stuff distresses me. You watch like those old those reaction videos uh-huh. that like the Fine Brothers did on YouTube, mm-hmm. and like they'll be like, "Do they know?" And then they'll play like 
fighter by Christina Aguilera and like these these kids and you have to remember that they're they're still children they're like tiny people who were not around uh before uh you know jumping jumping came out (laughs) and the um and they'll play this song and they'll just like I have no idea and then they'll learn that it's Christina Aguilera and then they'll say oh Christina Aguilera yeah my mom loves her and then you die inside that's like I I promise I'll let you guys get back to the movie but I do a side series (laughs) I do a side series for certain POV called side quest within funny games which is a different host each episode talking about a game they love and why they love it and Mm -hmm. so a recent host Jess Howard who I adore who's great did an episode about Final Fantasy 7 on the PlayStation and said yeah Mm -hmm. I started playing this game because my dad did and that just like I died a little, like that, it hurt. That hurts. It hurts, but like yeah. it's legit. That came out in the nineties. It's just it's one of those things where, you know, it just those those moments. You're like when I have someone tell me that they were ten when they saw Spider Man two, I'm like, Ugh. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That's that's. I mean, what's when Spider Man two come out? Two thousand four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm, yeah. Eleven. Eleven here. Yeah. The bands that I listened to in high school are now like repopular again. Some of them, Mm -hmm. like like emo, Mm -hmm. is having a like moment with the Gen Z, and like Fallout Boy's got all these new songs. All Time Low has a new song out with Black Bear. I don't know who Black Bear is. I think they're a DJ. <laughs> they, it, they are. that I uh, believe that is the case. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Anyway, but cannot like, confirm I, more than a dot. But <laughs> I, 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 I think you're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Um. But like, then I hear the kids talking about it, and they're like, "Oh, this sounds so retro." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, it well it's the it's the same thing as I saw this TikTok. Um. On, on Twitter, because that's where I see most of the TikToks that I see. And <laughs> I saw this TikTok where this guy was just like, class of 1999. And he's going through all these, cycling through all these outfits. And like, I just let it be. I was like, because the video was cute. He looked great. The outfits were nice. But none of them were from 1999. Um, they all, like, they all, some of them looked like they were from, like, Clueless, and some of them looked like they were from Cooley High, and, and also, like, no regular person really dressed like that ever in the 90s, so Mm -hmm. it is, uh, so you're, and everyone was just flaming this kid for it, kid couldn't have been, like, more than 19, 20 years old, just flame this kid for it on Twitter, and I was just like, will y'all just let the children believe that the 90s ended and began between 93 and 97 and just let, them <laughs> let be it be. Yeah. Um, Do you think your parents felt that way when like Olivia Newton, John 80s workout chic got really popular when we were like in high school, junior high? Uh, I don't really think that they cared anymore. Yeah. I just like, because yeah. sooner or later, I think we're just hyper, we, we're just like, we, we're hyper visible uh in the culture and the shifting and the, the and the way that it's sort of 
going on is sort of collapsing in on us because we see it all of the time. Yeah, there weren't memes about it when we were doing it. (laughs) Yeah, but like when you see I saw like this thing that was called girl power and I was just like, it's amazing to me that like girl power as like a phrase and kind of kind of a movement but mostly just a phrase now because people are more comfortable calling themselves feminists and stuff now Mm -hmm. but like girl power as like a phrase is almost wholly removed from the spice girls Mm -hmm. now like like when you say when if you were to say girl power to someone who was born in 2001 one they would have missed the first two of the three Spice Girls albums. Yes. <laughs> but, but but two, you know, they would understand what you mean by girl power. They just wouldn't know that it was the Spice Girls who started it. But they that's, should. That's just, but they but should. But they should. Because the Spice Girls is really timeless. And, uh, Correct. That's a, that's another if anyone disagrees another with that also is just wrong. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, that's a hill I will die on. Yes, Listen, we uh, respect you as a person, but that doesn't. But you need you to rest. spice up your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, so back to Johnny Numai. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, he uh, gets to his hotel room. They're implanting the information in his head, and also creating a physical copy. However, before they can get everything implanted, who shows up? But the yakuza. And and they just start, uh, you know, shooting up things and uh, making a big old mess. And uh, Johnny, who uh, is uh, having a hard time keeping all this information in his head, heads to the bathroom, hears all the commotion, uh, takes out this bald guy uh, who he calls Baldy. And I believe the, that he's credited as Baldy in the credits. Correct. Um, <laughs> Um, and uh, manages to get out of the very tacky hotel room with his dignity intact and also his life. Um, and uh, everyone is like chasing after him. All of the Yakuza's are chasing after him. But like somehow out of nowhere, like Bugs Bunny or something, he pulls out this disguise that's like a purple trench coat with a matching hat that also has a wig in it. <laughs> it's a lot and I was like where did that come from (laughs) I was like fantastic so he he manages to escape all of this because he has to take this information to Newark Uh, and uh, he has to take it to uh, uh, an unspecified place and when he is met there uh, he is uh I guess the guy who he's supposed to give it to is double crossing him and tries to kill him, but he blows that guy up. Baldy apparently survived uh, the black marble in the hotel room and made it back to uh, try and get Johnny once again. Also, we meet uh, Ice T. Who, okay, when he first shows up in this, like, area or whatever, there's someone telling him, like, turn around or don't come here or whatever. And I was like, is that iced tea? And I was like, nah. No, it can't be. Yeah, can't be. And nope, it sure is. It's him literally d- dressed like the monikins from <laughs> Flux. Except he's got a um, anarchy symbol tattooed on his forehead, mm-hmm. which... Mm-hmm. 
I know this isn't the vibe they were going for. It's, in fact, the opposite of the vibe. But it just made me think of Charles Manson with his with his swastika carved in his forehead. With, like, mm. I, I don't even know if his... I don't think his has a circle around it like the anarchy symbol was. But it was such an unfortunate association that I made automatically. And it kind of ruined iced tea for, like, the rest of the movie. And he's, like, this, like freedom fighter he's like the the leader of the the low techs like rebel yep. group and mm-hmm. um i was like man why did they have to costume him like cyberpunk charles manson <laughs> well uh he so hmm ice tea much like ice cube uh of of the rap ices um <laughs> the <laughs> Uh, they both have a similar career trajectory in which uh, they both came out of gangster rap, which is uh, very big at the time. And then they sort of moved into more entertainment spaces. Uh, the funniest part of both of their careers being that their uh, biggest hits, um, at least when they first started out, uh, were very anti-police. Mm-hmm. Um, N.W.A., which Ice Cube was a part of, had the song "Fuck the Police," uh, and Ice T, as a solo artist, had a song called "Cop Killer" that I believe he had to go testify about in Congress. <laughs> and um, and now they both play cops <laughs> yep. and stuff, which is very funny. But Ice Ice T, before he got around to um, uh, you know, law and all that order. <laughs> He did stuff like this. He did this. He also did a movie called Tank Girl. Yes, he did. Where he is like a mutant dog person. Kangaroo. Oh, kangaroo person. Correct. Yes. Because it takes place in Australia, I believe. In like a futuristic, mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic Australia. So think Mad Max Fear Road if mm-hmm. uh, Mad Max was Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And a badass lady at that. And uh, Based on comics, too. Based on a comic, and she had a and she had a sidekick, who was a mutant kangaroo man. <laughs> you know, um, I had questions, but you got me by the end. So, <laughs> so um, I'll watch it. <laughs> just, just saying, that's a that's a thing that happened. Um, but uh, he's there and uh, with a buddy, and uh, the buddy makes some noise up in the rafters there, and gets killed by the bald guy. And falls out of the sky. And uh, when Ice-T goes to check on him, the bald guy tries to kill Ice-T. But then Johnny is like, nah, don't do that. And um, and took that guy out. And then uh, Ice-T takes a guy out for Johnny. And he's just like, we're even. Uh, get out of here, man. And that's kind of it for that. So we have to head to uh, Ralphie and his hangout. One of the things, okay, Ralphie has a drag queen bodyguard. Yep. Ralphie, yes. of course, played by famous character actor Udu Kier, who's played, he's been in a ridiculous amount of schlocky sci fi yeah. movies. Like, he's just, and like, he's playing like the mastermind of this, like, gr- seem like some kind of gang or group. And his bodyguards, mm-hmm. yes, are these two tall, drag queens essentially uh mm-hmm. and like not sticky like this is a gag drag like just 
they are drag queens. It's a they fast, are drag queens, and, and they hurt his bodyguards. Yep, that's it. There's yeah, no, it's, it's, there's no joke. It's just that's who they are, and it's fucking great. Yes, you you know how I always like pick a random character that it doesn't make any sense to get attached to, and I get attached to them. It was mm, the drag queen bodyguards. Time. I immediately got attached to them, and I was like, oh my god, I have no choice but but to stand. You guys are great. Um, yeah, they were great. Uh, so, as a person who wears makeup, uh, yes. Micah, I have this this question for you, and uh-huh. maybe for and maybe for you as well, Matt, just to sort of give me a sense of maybe why this happened at the time. Okay. So between the two uh, bodyguards and Dina Mayer, who yes. shows up as sort of the love interest and female lead. Mm-hmm. Why in this future, which was, again, set 25 years in the future from this movie, why was the counterculture club sort of makeup look, like, inspired by the cover of Rio by Duran Duran? Like, it is... (laughs) I was so confused. I was very confused. I was like, I, I I guess, but like this album came out at the time of like this movie came out. That album came out like, like what, seven years prior to this movie coming out? And now I got to look. Hold on. I've got some Google imaging to do. So like, I mean, I mean, to start, I would say that I think a lot of the fashion aesthetics are very 80s in this, like a lot of the looks and like, for sure, like even um, the the um, the female lead is wearing kind of like a loose shirt and like tights and like is a very kind of jazzercise kind of look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, even even though we haven't met him yet, but even Henry Rollins, dear Henry Rollins, my f- I know I was I literally <laughs> yelled out loud to the TV. Henry Rollins <laughs> is dressed like a nerd, as if a nerd would be portrayed in later '80s, early '90s movies, right? Like he wasn't a contemporary nerd, whatever mm-hmm. that meant in the '90s, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny. I only know Henry Rollins as like rock and roll Chuck Norris. Yeah. I don't really know any of his music, yeah. really. That's a lot. That's of a, folks. that's a, you know that uh, I just he he's one of these people who who like on the internet like he shows up and everybody goes that guy fucks and then <laughs> like he just goes back and everyone goes about their day. Yeah. Um. But it was really cool to see him in this. Uh. But I don't know if I've ever heard him referred to as rock and roll Chuck Norris or if that's something I just came up with. I like it. Anyway, that's that's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's below freezing canon now. That's just <laughs> yeah. That's just it's a fact now. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, they, uh, Dina Mayer's character wants to be one of Ralphie's bodyguards and, but, uh, she has the disease, uh, and she gets some procedures done to try and mitigate it, but, uh, it makes her sort of shaky and kind of, uh, sprung out or whatever. And, uh, they're like, absolutely not. So they manage to, so then Johnny shows up and they manage to knock him out, uh, the, the drag queen bodyguards, and they take 
him down to this lab or whatever where they're going to get the information out of his brain by just like cutting his head off. I'm not sure what that would do. But something you know, about I, oh the data is less corrupted if you don't take it out of the vessel. That's not a. That's not how flash drives work. No. <laughs> Though <laughs> I'm like, convinced they don't know how flash discs. drives work. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> at this at this point they they didn't exist. <laughs> well, or even like floppy disks. Pretty sure that's not how floppy disks work either. But listen, it's 1995. The internet hasn't been around for like super long. So I assume that the screenwriters were just like, that's a thing, right? I think we decided when we reviewed the the Richard Donner movie Timeline. that Time facts? Yeah, time facts. Okay. Um, the, that uh, in the way that uh, time machines generally, and even the time machine in that movie don't actually work like fax machines. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we because that was one like of my rants. Move... I was like, that's not how fucking fax machines work. Um, <laughs> movie science, who cares, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, uh, it's always the stupid shit like this that I get hung up on. Like, do I have questions about any of the other bonkers shit that's happening? No. But I'm like, how dare you misinterpret the use of a floppy disk? <laughs> I need to get past this. <laughs> yes. So um, before they can uh, chop his head off, they uh, get a visit again from Dina Mayer, who he offers $50,000 to free him. So she has this, like, weapon that is like a selfie stick. But instead of uh, the selfie stick parts at the end, there's a knife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it looked like um, like a, the radio antenna on a car. Oh, yeah, sure. That too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shinji, played by Dennis Akiyama, a very well-known character actor, um, has a laser whip, but it's not just a laser whip. It comes from his fingernail. He pulls his fingernail out. And it makes this like laser whip kind of garrot thing that just makes yeah. literally no sense. Also, like we haven't even talked about the infamous, the famous uh, Takeshi Kitano, who is playing yes. Takahashi, yeah. like the head of this corporation and the Yakuza. Who this is the third thing I've ever seen him in. Which, like, also he has half. English lines, half Japanese lines, and like his mm-hmm. strength is Japanese for sure. He's a very famous mm-hmm. Japanese actor, but like they had him speak Japanese with subtitles sometimes and then English sometimes, even though it was clearly not his strength at the time. Why? Mm-hmm. When you already had him speak with subtitles first, why can't like I just that yeah. that like talk about getting hung up on tiny things? Like there's no reason to be hung up on that, and yet it's like. Just subtitle him the whole time. Like there was yeah, no, no reason to do like, both. Or or make it consistent, like for who he's talking, talking to specifically. To, right. He literally you know, goes like, between both with his henchman Shinji. Yeah, for no like, reason. Have it always be Japanese when he's speaking to Yakuza characters. Have it always be English when he's talking to his like pharma bro characters. But mm-hmm. no, they didn't do that. <laughs> Um, and there were moments in this where I felt like they picked the Yakuza as an organization and they picked certain things because they just really 
wanted and liked an East Asian aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because the East Asian aesthetic, if, if that's what we want to call it, was so prevalent in cyberpunk at that time. Yep. Mm-hmm. It still very much is, yep. but mm-hmm. a lot of it specifically comes from it. This is a few years, not well, not a few years. Well, yeah, this is about five or so years after Akira. Mm-hmm and and stuff like that so that influence was always going to be there but i think they sort of doubled down on it because of the time yeah i just it's it's not like that i felt the whole time like oh this is appropriative necessarily there were just like moments like with that character like Mm -hmm. not picking whether or not they're gonna let him Mm-hmm. be a Japanese speaking or an English speaking character and just the way that like kind of like how Russians were always the bad guys in the 80s like all of your Asian characters are are bad guys in this mm-hmm. um just made me feel a little squicky yep mm-hmm. at specific moments it's not like the most wildly appropriative thing that I've ever watched or anything there were just moments when I was like is this a narrative choice that you have justified to me within the script and within the movie? Or is this just part of the cyberpunk aesthetic? And so you're just using these things for the aesthetic of your film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It's it's unclear where that land. Like part of me is like they just wanted Takeshi Kitano and they were like, oh, let's put him in the movie and then we'll start, we'll put the Yakuza in the movie like that that Mm -hmm. even seems more logical but I do want to say like going back to what um, CJ was talking about about that scene like so this this head henchman of the Yakuza has this ridiculous nail laser whip tries to kill Johnny Mm -hmm. doesn't they escape but very soon after the scene we get to first see the best character in the whole film the most buck wild character in the whole film played by everyone's favorite Ham and 80s action star Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) Yes. I forgot that he was here. He's playing, wait, I want to make sure I get the characters, the street preacher. He doesn't even have a name. Mm -hmm. And is literally this man who's obsessed with cybernetics and has turned himself into a quote-unquote monster and goes around killing people with a cross dagger, like a cross that has a dagger point. And it's it's just... and like and like he gets hired by the yakuza as like uh, an additional resource to go after him uh, johnny mm-hmm. there is no reason why we never like there's never an explanation of what he's getting out of it why they hired mm-hmm. him he's literally just the f- like i mean spoilers he's the final boss but like there's no reason why but yet every time he's on screen i am fascinated by this wild character. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I was also taken completely by surprise <laughs> by the world's favorite martial artist slash chemical engineer, Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> showing up in this movie. Um, that's my favorite fact about him. Yes. He just like randomly has a master's in chemical engineering. Um, the, that's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, like he is one of a bunch of ideas in this movie that I don't think really goes anywhere. There's one we're going to get to towards the end that (laughs) threw me for a loop, Uh a D and a dupe because goodness gracious, the, uh, but the, um, they managed to get out from under, um, 
the Yakuza guy and um, uh, uh, the low techs hold them off while they go under. And then we sort of learn that uh, the reason that uh, Johnny wants to get his the implant out of him and wants to stop being a courier for all of this information is because he kind of just wants a human life back. He gave up like his half of his memories yeah. uh, to be this person and do this job, uh, presumably because he wanted a better life. And it gives him all of these Blade Runner seizures. And uh, when they sort of they get out and they get to they get back to spider is that henry rollins's character's name i think so yeah 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 they get back to spider and then they learn that the information that he's carrying is actually the cure for the disease that has been ravaging the world and we have this uh sort of moment of crisis where he is deciding whether or not he wants to sort of kill himself to give the information to the world and sort of save the world and let them be free of the virus. Or if he just wants to like get the job done and live his life. I think that that's a really good like conflict. I think Mm -hmm. that's really good drama. I do not think that it was set up particularly well. Nope. I don't think that his reasoning, which sort of gets fleshed out towards the end, uh, isn't set up particularly well, especially in this rant that he gives. But like if, like the memories that are implanted or, or that are coming back that are sort of shining through. They don't really uh, tell us much about like his childhood or like what yeah. would lead him to like not only having this job, but having these beliefs. And um, I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity. Now I know there's a longer version of this movie that came out in Japan uh, it's about 20 minutes longer and probably has a little bit more exposition, but, um, I was really, I was able to piece together what they were trying to do, but it should have been easier than it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the movie would have benefited from revealing that MacGuffin earlier mm-hmm. and spending more time with, which I guess this would make it less action and more like psychological than I think the movie really wanted to be. But I think we could have spent more time with that internal conflict that he had of, do I save everybody? Do I live? (laughs) Um, Because like you said, it's an interesting conflict. And then it would have given us more, it, it would have given the film more of an opportunity to explore the ways in which the virus has ravaged the world. When we see everything that's terrible, we know that the corporations are exploitative These are things we know anyway, just like, you know, generally. So I think it could have given us an opportunity as he agonized over that decision to see more concrete ways that the virus has ruined the world and why he should die to save people from it. Well, yeah, and they try to do that a little, like, once once they talk with Henry Rollins' character, Henry Rollins is like, well, I, there's somewhere I can take you, and it reve- he reveals that he takes them to a makeshift hospital where he is actually a doctor at, and that, like, he's showing him that this can help these people, and you get a little bit of the impact, but, of course, before we can spend too much time in drama or something sensical, the hospital is attacked by Dolph Lundgren, mm-hmm. and they have to escape. Um and like 
you know, uh, Henry Rollins throws himself in the way, you know, to stop Dolph, Dolph so they can get out, and then they take off. And, like, after this scene, when they're in the junkyard, it's my favorite Keanu Reeves scene in this mo- movie, and, and I think you both know which scene it is. So this this scene... They're they're talking. This is when Johnny's first talking about that conflict that you guys are mm-hmm. we're talking about. And yeah. uh, if I may, I would like to read his entire speech that he gives. Oh, good, because I was just gonna splice it into the episode. So this oh, is fantastic. I mean, if you want to splice it in, I will read it. No, no, I, a dramatic reading would be fantastic. We're, yeah. we're, we're waiting on bated breath. Um, so, so yeah, so he gives the speech, and I, well, the first thing I want to say is like I was saying earlier about how Johnny mnemonic reminds me in moments of other Keanu Reeves characters there are moments that remind me of Neo earlier in the movie when that are a little slower this moment especially once he gets angry reminds me of John Wick I see John Wick in this performance in moments Mm -hmm. when he's yelling so without further ado a, a dramatic reading of the best speech in the whole movie Johnny mnemonic what the fuck is going on what the fuck is going on? You know, all my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner, looking out for number one, no complications. Now, suddenly, I'm responsible for the entire fucking world, and everybody and his mother is trying to kill me if, if my head doesn't blow up first. Jane, maybe it's not just about you anymore. Bravo. Johnny, listen. You listen to me. You see that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the f- and fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth. I've had it with them. I've had it with you. I've had it with all this. I want room service. I want the club sandwich. I want a cold Mexican beer. I want 10,000 a night hooker. I want my shirts launder like they do at the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. End rant. Sasha, you stay. <laughs> or Shantae, you stay. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I don't watch that show. Um, the <laughs> I mean, but it's the- really... It's, it's more of an insightful moment than I think probably even the movie yeah. realizes. Because, like, what a summary of... I think he's both justified and not justified in his feelings, right? Because on the one hand, like... That's what everybody wants is to just to be selfish and for things to get better and not actually like have to do anything about it. Right. Like we just want to continue to live in our like privileged bubbles and and ignore what's going on around us. But then also like corporations, both in the real world and in this movie, are wanting to put all of the responsibility they were they're individualizing responsibility yes right so like that's why we're all having this horrible like news fatigue right now right because we're constantly bombarded with awfulness and we all feel overwhelmed and particularly with environmental issues um the systems get a real kick out of making you feel like it's you using a straw that's killing the sea turtles and not the fact that a hundred corporations are responsible for 70 plus percent of all emissions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I both like feel like he's justified in the, you know, it's not fair that all of this responsibility has been individualized to you and that people aren't looking at the systems that put it in place, but also like, 
you don't get to have your 10,000 a night hooker, Keanu. You have to save the world. I'm sorry that it's up to you. Yeah, it's 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 such a wild speech. And like wh- when I watched it again, I was just like, this is good. This is a good performance. This is a good moment mm-hmm. in an otherwise terrible movie. And I think not enough mm-hmm. people recognize how great that moment is. And like when he's getting really angry, I absolutely see Johnny John Wick. And I wanted to say Johnny Wick, mm-hmm. combine Johnny Mnemonic and John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> I see John Wick in that performance, and, and that's what gets me every time. Now, also, mm-hmm. I think we skipped over the part where they're in a storage space, and Johnny grabs a bunch of random objects and then hacks the internet by typing in the air. One of which, in 1995, <laughs> was called an iPhone. Yes. And, yes, but not uh, but I-E-Y-E, not I, the letter I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that scene that scene was really funny. Just the way that people in the 90s like thought that the internet worked and like the people as they're doing their hacking just like moving their hands in the air like swoosh my hand to like physically catch this VR ball mm-hmm. that opens into a map like it was yeah it's one of those things like you think about vr and how it sort of exists in the world today yeah. and why it, and, and why everyone seems to be trying to recreate the future that we thought we were going to have uh-huh. that we don't really need no no but all like, vr that, does is make me motion sick same uh yeah i uh and when I was working selling cell phones, we had the Samsung representative come and like test out products. And every time he came, he would bring the VR set. And every time I would be off and I would get so upset. <laughs> and then he finally came and I got to play with the VR set. I was kind of just like, is this it? <laughs> like, I really, w- I really wish I would have experienced VR in the 90s in one of those sort of mall kiosks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that that's the VR that I would have wanted to do or like Disney Quest or something. <laughs> I, I that's where I would want to do because now it's just like this is just video games. Yeah, every time I think of <laughs> every time I think of VR, I think of the scene in Community where the dean gets the new computer set up and it's virtual mm-hmm. reality folder sorting, but it's literally him mm-hmm. still just sorting folders like on a desktop but in virtual reality and it's like so (laughs) counterintuitive and he becomes obsessed with it and never wants to be unplugged it's like that's that's what i picture speaking speaking of low techs i thought that the low techs when they first brought them up in the little opening opening crawl i thought that the movie would be super super tech heavy Mm -hmm. but the low techs would be like fighting against the system in a more Luddite fashion where they were not using technology and stuff like that. One, because I wanted someone to identify with (laughs) as I get older and everything happening in technology starts to terrify me. Not really terrify me as much as makes me feel like I'm being like left in the dust. Because whenever there's like a new advancement in any sort of consumer electronics, I'm always just like, but why? Like, who needs who needs that? Like, well, it, it was like there's phenomenon that people get caught up in. Not just you know TikTok and, and there. I somebody on Twitter called TikTok dances air traffic control dances, and I screamed. Um, Not wrong. That was funny to me. Um, the but like um, even like augmented reality, like Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. 
Pokemon Go had people just enthralled. The air was thick with Pokemon Go yep. for like two summers. <sighs> what a and glorious summer that was. It was. We all I went outside. Downloaded that, <laughs> I downloaded that app and I went into my parents' backyard and I caught like three squirtles. And I said, okay. And then I deleted it from my phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got obsessed. Uh-huh, so same. I was I was in grad school at the time and I came home to visit my parents for a few weeks and or was that the summer before grad school either way there was an extended time where I was at my parents in the village and um, my mom just like really enjoys just going on walks in general and so I was like let's go to town Mount City had like three pokey stops and I would hit them all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then we went down to Fort Scott and mom was like, we should go walk around the fort because Fort Scott's got this old like, it was a fort back in the Civil War and it's still got this like area of town with like all the buildings preserved and stuff. And we'd walk around the fort and catch a bunch of Pokemon. And there were a bunch of kids always out catching Pokemon too. And it was just this glorious summer where everyone, you could like stop and chat with anyone and be like, oh my God, I just caught something cool i just caught a vulpix like down the block and they'd be like no fucking way and then they'd go running (sighs) that was wasn't it like 2016 it's not that long like yeah yeah it was like 2015 2016 in that range and i was i just remember being like because i think that was also the year that everybody started getting those like fucking scooters oh it might have might have been i think the scooters came a little bit after because the first Summer of the Scooters was, I think, the first summer I lived in downtown Kansas City. Mm. And the way I would be cussing people because they would nearly mow me over on the sidewalks. I'd be like, get on the street, motherfuckers. Risk it with the cars. You're not killing me. Uh, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. What a time. Just every, every, every new piece of like consumer electronics, I'm just like... No. <laughs> um, the, uh, because, because I'm old um the uh oh my God, matt just rolled his eyes so hard i did no and like the okay. i was gonna let it go i mean i'm i'm old in spirit i was gonna say you're an old soul <laughs> yeah. because i am much older than you so shut it <laughs> spiritually <laughs> matt cj and i are 65 years no old. i get it no i know we want to be left to our tea and our macrame. I just, I there is there is a, I think I was on Screen Snark and there was a look that Matt gave me when I told him that I was born on the same day that Again by J- Janet Jackson came out. Yeah, I was mad. And I, <laughs> I, was mad. I remember that album. I remember listening to it. I remember. I think you were also the one who mentioned that you were like ten when you saw Spider Man too. I think. That's where I pulled that point of reference from. I think that was from that same Screen Snark episode. You can go back and listen to CJ's episode of Screen Snark, which is phenomenal. Um, I, I just you know, it's it's not my fault. No, it's true. Um, the uh, but after this riveting scene of Johnny expressing his frustration with the fact that he has to you know probably die to save the world, we get another. A uh, very important um, and and compelling sequence in which we find out that the person who is supposed to help him actualize this destiny of his is a dolphin. Is a is a weird Austin Powers dolphin. A psychic, a psychic, <laughs> electronically hooked up dolphin. Y'all, 
I, I got up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I didn't pause the movie because I was in a really small apartment. I was like, I can still hear it. It's fine. And I came back and there was a fucking dolphin with a helmet on. <laughs> now, for, like, for clarity, both of you saw this for the first time at my request, right? You had neither yes. seen this. Yes. Okay. I watched this for the first time like three hours ago. So... I had seen the movie. I saw the movie when it came out. I watched it again very recently within the last few months. And then I skimmed it today just to refresh. And every time I watch it, I'm still surprised by the dolphin because I feel like it's a different movie. It's so out of place. I just assume it's a different movie. And it's not. It's always this movie with the dolphin and Ice-T talking to a dolphin. It was just such, like... What I would, up to this point, it's like what I expect out of like a 90s cyberpunk movie. You know what I mean? Like, like Dolph Lundgren, he doesn't make any sense, but like, you know, he, he fits aesthetically speaking. And you've got like tech and even like with the Yakuza, like people love a, a, like a mob, like a mobster style villain. Mm -hmm. And like, there's like shoot 'em ups and people have got big guns and laser garrots and like things (laughs) like it all. Aesthetically made sense. <laughs> Laser and then there was a fucking dolphin. Mm. <laughs> what? My my favorite part is that that when they're talking because they're talking uh, I forget Ice T's character name, but his character is talking about a, per, a a someone who can help Johnny as they lead in yeah. and using the dolphin's name and like Johnny's reaction is our reaction because they're referring to the dolphin by. Like uh, what you assume is a human's name, and then no, he's talking about a dolphin. I just I don't I don't think over an auditory medium that I can convey to y'all the depths of my confusion. <laughs> <laughs> Coming, walking to the other room. Expecting to come back to, like, I don't know, Gandalf the White or something. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a dolphin. <laughs> and then, like, an, and then like an, a return to the century aviator helmet. Um, so, uh, then all of our antagonists sort of descend upon everyone. Takahashi is there. The Yakuza is there. Um, and, uh, and, uh, chemical engineer Dolph Lundgren is there and they all start attacking each other there's sort of this big melee <laughs> while this is happening uh, they have hooked Keanu Reeves up to another machine and he is uh, uh, once again uh, uh, in the net Yes, and, yeah. and creating a duplicate of himself I got really confused during like as to what this was supposed to be doing. Like I know they were trying to download the information, but I didn't really understand why he was creating like a copy of himself. But he's got like a little avatar that really doesn't look like a computer, like a human avatar as much as it looks like the little man made out of movie tickets that used to be on the AMC pre-show. Yes. <laughs> he's like a bunch of <laughs> cylinders that look like Keanu and and also in a uh, uh, a, a Netscape of like what looks like a bad PlayStation One uh, cutscene. Do you think that the kids remember Netscape? Oh yeah, the actual web browser. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
like the, it really looked like a bad cutscene or load up screen to a PlayStation game that's all polygons. Like it was just with like these moving scenes in the background and like Keanu's doing battle with something in mm-hmm. this internet space and that's why he creates the duplicate to like but protect then, himself but then he starts to like then he starts to lose yeah and then a digital version of the dolphin shows up <laughs> yep like there's this show called close enough that's by um the guy who created regular show mm-hmm. on cartoon network yep. and it's uh it's on hbo max and it's a it's a wonderful animated series that is basically regular show but about being like a millennial parent yeah and um there's this uh episode where um the dad who is a video game creator has a video game and he challenges someone to a bet and to they play the VR video game, which is just about climbing ladders. Um, but then in some, there's a bug in it that I believe, um, I believe it is, is Dolph Lundgren. It's like Dolph Lundgren's head will come like disembodied head will come and like eat someone. <laughs> and then by the end where, by the end where they're like trying to defeat these other people, they're all like riding Dolph Lundgren's giant disembodied head. Oh, perfect. <laughs> to, to, to win the game. And that's all I could think of when I was watching this. I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But they make it out. Um, Takahashi dies and they get like the correct information to let everyone have the formula for the cure to the disease. The Yakuza's uh, are all taken out. Dolph Lundgren is burned alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he just he just gets just toasted. He does. And like then I like those cheeses I like. As soon as he comes as soon as uh, Johnny comes out of the like the setup, the gear, whatever you want to call it and has survived, he is then immediately kissed and greeted by the love interest that wasn't a love interest. Like, I don't know about y'all, but and we haven't really talked about it because it's not there, but there is no yeah. chemistry between these two the entire movie. And then, like, yeah. at the end, they kiss because man and woman, they must kiss, right? They can't have anything mm-hmm. but feelings. They can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, no, that felt like... I was just I like, was, what? Where is this I coming was like, from? Did I, did I miss something? Because I never thought to criticize their lack of chemistry because I didn't think they're like they needed it right like they had the amount of chemistry they needed for this like sidekick working relationship they've got going (laughs) yeah it yeah it didn't do much for me and i didn't really pay attention to it the first time because like when they got caught by ice and there was kind of a gag and then that kind of went away and then they kiss again and then all of the low techs watch the pharmaceutical company getting burned down because everybody knows there's a cure now and that's the movie kind of just ends there right but (laughs) right before it ends there's the best bit and a bit that i remember more than i remember this movie so Dolph Lundgren's charred corpse is on the ground and like after the building catches fire they cut back Mm -hmm. to the body on the ground start to slowly rise up with suspenseful music and then they show it's just a crane lifting his sorry ass to throw him out the window (laughs) (laughs) and it's like that's a good bit that's a good bit that had no business being in this movie but it's like oh Oh, yeah no totally Tonally, it didn't make any sense whatsoever, but, like, they had me for a second. For a second, I was like, it had been long enough since Dolph Lundgren had been 
reconsiderated that I kind of forgot it was him. And I was like, oh, shit, what's that? And then I was like, oh, it's Dolph Lundgren. He's back. And then, oh, no, Ice-T. Ice uh, almost said Cube. Almost got my Ices mixed up. Ice-T just, like, <laughs> makes a shitty joke. And then they throw <laughs> like, the And then, like, that's it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then and then the movie is over, and uh, that was Johnny Mnemonic. And when we come back, we're gonna give the movie Freezy Awards. What the fuck is going on? You know, all my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner, looking out for number one, no complications. Now suddenly. I'm responsible for the entire fucking world. And everybody and his mother is trying to kill me if, if my head doesn't blow up first. Maybe it's not just about you anymore. Listen, you listen to me. You see that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth! I've had it with them! I've had it with you! I've had it with all this! I want room service! I want the club sandwich! I want the cold Mexican beer! I want a $10,000 a night hooker! I want my shirts laundered. Like they do at the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. So we're back, and this is the point in the show where we give the movie Freezy Awards. They can be the things you enjoyed, things you forgot to shit on in the recap, or they can be just jokes and stuff you found funny. Matt, you've been here before, you know the deal. You have freezies for Johnny Mnemonic? Of course I have freezies for Johnny Mnemonic. Um, my my first freezy, my bad freezy, I guess to specify, mm-hmm. goes to all of the representations of the internet in this movie. They are all bad. <laughs> they look like bad video games. They don't look like good video games. They barely look like video games. <laughs> it's just, it looks like whatever version of the internet you pictured in like AOL 90s commercials is exactly what like if you can pick, if you're old enough to know what the dial-up sound from going on the internet sounds like if you can hear that sound then you know what this internet looked like and it was bad it was just terrible yeah um my other freezy is a good freezy for of course Keanu Reeves I've been a mm-hmm. longtime Keanu Reeves fan and I've seen I would say 90% of his movies and this one still survives in my heart because of his performance. And I would say Henry Rollins and a few other performances that were fine. You know, and then Duff Lundgren, whose performance was not good, but still entertaining. Um, I think this was the last thing that Dolph Lundgren did until the Expendables yep, in 2013. Correct. Mm-hmm. And he's been in a ton of stuff since then. He was even a major role in Aquaman, and he was phenomenal in Aquaman. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He, he was, was great, great in Aquaman. Um, I'm really I happy about Aquaman this Lundgren renaissance so that <laughs> yeah, exactly. we seem to find ourselves in. <laughs> the listener can't see it, but CJ visibly sighed with his body, <laughs> with his whole body. <laughs> um, I sighed because it was good. It was a good, it was a good pull. (laughs) 
Um, and then I think my final freezy that's kind of not good or bad, it just is, has to go to the thumbnail laser garrote. Mm, it yes. just got to. It just, I want that weapon in a video game. There's no reason to have it, but I absolutely want it because it's just the wildest thing. Why, why the fingernail of all the, like, of all the thing? Why the fingernail? I just because it's a laser pointer. Oh, God damn no. it! No, no, no! <laughs> no. Oh. no. I refuse to believe that that is why. But God I damn it! You're probably, right. you're probably right. I hate that. I you're hate probably it. right. They hate it. Oh, I hate it. Oh. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, Zero out of ten. Okay, I think I think those three are my freezies. Oh boy. Hot tonight. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> well, Micah, do you have freezies for Johnny Mnemonic? I I do. And my my first freezy um goes goes it's gotta like you said, it's gotta go to Keanu. He's a just super hot. And um the realization that I came to while we were discussing his speech is you know what? I enjoy a chosen one who is pissed off to be the chosen one like yeah. that's a trope you don't really get a lot usually they're either like it can't be me or like stoked as hell but Keanu's just kind of like god damn it <laughs> don't wanna um and i respect that my second freezy um it has, it has to go to the uh drag queen bodyguards stan they're Makeup. There were honestly a lot of things about this, the aesthetic of this movie that I didn't love, but the makeup looks that the bodyguards had were just, oh, so good. The just the, it's, I mean, obviously like they're drag queens, so it's drag makeup with the super sharp line across the cheekbones. It's kind of giving me like David Bowie, Adam Strange vibes. Her name is Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> See, Rhea never occurred to me. I was thinking like I was thinking like Adam Strange, like David Bowie, but but more drag. Um, mm. It was so good. Like like the the one um, I don't know either of their names, unfortunately. But the one the 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 contour on the cheekbone coming all the way to the mouth, blending into the lipstick. They both kind of did that, but ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. That makeup look, both of their looks were A plus, loved. <laughs> um, and then my final freezy, I just have to give to the experience of leaving the room <laughs> and coming back to the dolphin. That's good. So the the what the fuck award. <laughs> goes to the helmeted psychic dolphin in a lobster tank. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so my first freezy is also a what the fuck award. <laughs> this movie doesn't really have a soundtrack. No. And I feel like it could yeah. have elevated itself with a soundtrack a little bit. It needed um, one. I didn't like the <laughs> score. Something, ooh, goodness, something fun and trancy. Um, mm. would have been nice and welcome here and you know just or even if it took sort of like a weird post grunge alternative kind of turn at some points I would not have minded 
Um, yeah, the only song. But the 90s was good for all of that stuff. So the only song that I remember is the song from the credits, which is a song called Lost by Stabbing Westward. And it's only because I know the band Stabbing Westward. Like, I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. I got to interview them a couple of years ago. Like, they're like a quintessential 90s goth rock band, like industrial mm. goth rock band. But that goth rock song at the in the credits is the only one I can think of from the movie. I don't think there was a soundtrack, but I don't think in the movie there was any like actual soundtrack music. None, there wasn't. none that I remembered anyway. And that was I found that very disappointed, very dis- disappointing, um, especially because like we the last movie that we watched or last week's movie was virtuosity and virtuosity soundtrack kind of slapped um, <laughs> it kind of did also last night i watched gross point blank for the first time and gross point blank's soundtrack fucking rocks too it's really <laughs> good that's true um but uh i think the song that i i kept thinking would have worked perfectly like interspersed throughout this movie and maybe at the end was that song by the icicle works whisper to a scream oh yeah Mm. um i love that song and this just seemed like a movie that it would have fit in perfectly in the same way that like you watch the first thor movie and there are several different places in there where you could put god of thunder by kiss and they just don't they never do um so, you know, uh, but who, who cares what I think? Uh, so my first freezy is, why the fuck does this movie not have a soundtrack? Um, my second freezy goes to the casting director who did, who did the worst job and also the best job. Because this movie has, like, Keanu Reeves. It has, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, sort of Saturn Award staple, uh, you know, Dina Mayer. Because Dina Mayer did this, but then she went on to do Starship Troopers. And uh, she's prevalent throughout uh, a couple of the Saw movies. She was Barbara Gordon in the short-lived Birds of Prey TV show on the Greatest American Network Television Channel, the WB. And, um, uh, you know, sh- uh, she's great. It's also got Dolph Lundgren. Also has Ice-T. <laughs> You know, like, it's just like, who, who cast this? Um, but whoever you were, you did the best and the worst job. So you get a freezy for me as well. <laughs> and um, then my um, last freezy goes to uh, is a choreographed best line reading freezy. Love those. Love those. Uh, for... <laughs> Uh, for Ice T, when he introduces himself and he says, I'm J Bone. <laughs> <laughs> that was his name. I couldn't remember it. Yep, it's J Bone. Ice T to J Bone. Uh, so, yeah, it's he's, he goes, I'm J Bone. I run heaven, the low tech headquarters. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my freezy. Uh, that was my last freezy, and this is the point in the show where we decide whether or not the movie is still fresh or freezer burned. Matt, what say you? Still fresh. I, I, 
I am dying on the hill that this movie isn't as bad as the reviews say it is. I understand that it is not by any means a good movie by the general standards of what is considered remotely good, but I am entertained every time I watch it and I and I do of all of the issues this movie has, I completely disagree with the Keanu bad actor narrative which seems to be gone at this point and that this movie was the start of people figuring out how to utilize Keanu. And in the scenes that they utilize him well, like the hooker speech, you get something. Uh, so, you know, it, it is by far not the best Keanu movie. It's by far, though, not the worst Keanu movie. And by by far, the, not the worst um uh, cyberpunk movie but then again I've also said multiple times on record that I'm not a fan of, Bla- uh, fan of Blade Runner so what do I know but either way <laughs> it, it's still hey, fresh me, me neither you and me uh, all right. Tevin Campbell in the can, Goofy movie seeing eye to eye can, can, we, look. <laughs> I've only seen Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> so uh, yeah I watched it before that movie came out and like I, I, I remember I watched it and then I was just like nope nope not for me and then someone was just like well which version did you watch <laughs> yeah. and I was like does it matter yeah it does. I was just like I don't I was like Cause I, I don't want to watch it again <laughs> like <laughs> but um uh, yeah Micah what say you you know um Keanu's here and he is he's always just so very handsome so like all other things being equal there's that and then I just really want the same way I want to um how do I put this ambush my friends with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh I really want to ambush some people with that dolphin Mm, yeah I want to yeah. I want to be in the room with someone watching this and watch them when I know the dolphin is coming. So for that reason, <laughs> because I know I want other people to watch it, I'm going to say it's still fresh. Mm. I'm going to be the lone uh the lone uh you know, uh freezer burnt here and that's because I just don't think that the movie is wacky enough for me to come back to it multiple times. Mm -hmm. It is absurd. Yeah. And I appreciate that, but it doesn't get wild enough. It's not bonkers enough. The casting choices are really fun and out there. They were fun to stumble upon, but I don't really even see myself recommending it to it because I'm just glad that I watched it so I can go play that pinball machine at Fred Piazza. <laughs> I don't really need anything from it anymore. Um, but that's just me. Uh, so that is uh, the end of that. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know if I would have given it a still fresh if it weren't for the dolphin. <laughs> Look, I'll I'm take what still, I can get. <laughs> I'm still bewildered. <laughs> I don't think I ever w- won't be. Look, nothing will ever be as harmful to our friendship, Micah, as me putting you through Tomb Raider, so I think we'll be okay. Oh, <laughs> and that's by far, like, that's far from the worst thing that <laughs> I have been, that has been inflicted upon me for this show. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've lost any friends yet. Hell, Nevin is still friends with us, and we've put him through how many Resident Evils now? Okay, Too first many. off, the Resident Evil movies aren't bad enough to lose friends over. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I will say, 
uh, before we wrap up that I may have to come back for the Monster Hunter movie, which is made by the same team and stars Mila Jovovich and is based on a Capcom franchise and is also terrible. Okay. Yeah, that'll put her in the Hall of Fame, won't it? Or is she there already? No, she's actually going to make it into the Hall of Fame in April. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, so because we have uh, a non-Resident Evil movie with her coming up for our literary adaptations month. Nice. So. I'm so jazzed about that month. <laughs> yeah, I know you so are. So jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was Johnny Mnemonic. Sure was. It happened. What a, what a movie. What a dolphin. <laughs> That's the tag. That's the new tagline. Put it on the DVDs. What a movie! What a dolphin! Says Michael Black of Below Freezing. Every now and again, something comes up where I wish that we named each episode, uh-huh. but like that's far too much work <laughs> just for the occasional joke. That's good. Anyway, um, Matt, thank you so so much for coming back on and for bringing this batshit movie to us. Thank you for having me. I love this show. I love both of you. I love being on it, and uh, and I will happily come back on any time for whatever you want to put me through or I put you both through, depending on whose choice it is that time. <laughs> what would you like to? I know you've got a million projects that you are involved in. What would you like to plug? So uh, since the last time I was on the show, I have actually made a condensed source to find all the things I do. You can now go to djstormageddon.com and find my merch page, my Patreon, all of my podcasts, my Twitch stream, literally everything that I do is at djstormageddon.com. If you want to engage with me on social media, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I am DJ underscore Stormageddon. I mostly scream about how things should be gayer because all things should be gayer. It's just a fact of life. Um, Mm -hmm. And usually talk about video games and music as well. Um, And yeah, if you want to interact with me more regularly, I Twitch stream almost every week. You can go to DJ underscore Stormageddon on Twitch. But otherwise, DJStormageddon.com. Very cool. Definitely linking to that in the show notes slash box below whatever is down there on your podcast (laughs) apps. Goodness. CJ, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it on Twitter and Instagram. And I also have a weekly newsletter called Monoplex where I write about movies uh, because I need to write more and I like talking about movies. Um, the most recent one as of right now is it'll be like a month ago, <laughs> I guess, when, when this actually publishes, but is uh, a, a small little... Uh, little 800 words about Jada Pinkett Smith's character Rome in the movie Magic Mike XXL because she's fantastic. The the fact that she was not at least nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress for her work in that movie is what what us uh, scholars like to call a cultural crime. Uh, so, uh, So that is something that I also have going on. Very cool. Links also to that in the show notes slash description. You can find me on Twitter at Micah Renee B and on Instagram at Loki Stroke the Lemur. You can find the show at Below32Pod everywhere. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a follow. If you feel so inclined, drop us a review. Five-star reviews help other people find the show easier. And if you don't think it's five stars, we'd love to hear why. We always want to know what we can be doing better. CJ, what cyberpunk adventure are we having next week? 
Well, Deanna Chapman, who is the host of Welcome to Geekdom, the podcast, is going to be joining us for the first time for our second Vin Diesel movie. <gasps> yeah. Only yeah. the second? Only the second. We are he's only wa- in Masterpieces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. No. <laughs> Not I was just gonna let you have it, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she's coming on. It's gonna be a good time. We're going to be unthawing Babylon AD. Oh, that movie! Oh, I can't wait to hear it because that movie. Oh, oh. well, that's that's spooky because none of us have ever seen. It. Oh no, I have not seen it <laughs> either. Yeah, the, it's it's wild, but in a different way than this movie was wild. Just strap in. Okay. Also, speaking of, um, you know, multiple, uh, you know, people who were on the cusp of being in the Hall of Fame, this was Keanu's second movie. So he's only got one more before he gets into the Hall of Fame. What was his first one? Uh, 47 Ronin. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot we did that. (laughs) So. Oh, well, I'd like to say that there's no way he'll make it, but he might. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he might <laughs> you never know he may not make it this year but he'll yeah maybe not yet yeah, maybe not this year but it's there's a pause he could yep <laughs> well matt thanks again for coming on thank you again for having me and uh very excited to see what babylon ad is next week so um <laughs> vin diesel's there and I, for some reason, love Vin Diesel kind of in the same way that I love Shrek. But um, I'm sure we'll talk about that (laughs) next week. So tune in for that. And until then, y'all stay frosty. Goodbye. See ya.